You're in love. Have a beer. No, my body is a temple. Well, now it's an amusement park. No, no, no. The glandular balance... Just shut up and drink it, would you? What track? Eight. Can't smile without you. I know. Yep, I'm gonna need a beer, too. I wish Father were here. He'd know what to tell you. Us? to episode number 131 of Food and a Monkey. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, guys. So, it's a, a busy one this week. Welcome to our Guillermo del Toro Fucked Our Faces and We Loved It title um, hmm. episode, which... Um, there, there is a question as to, as to whether Guillermo del Toro fucking our faces always means we loved it. Um, hmm. We'll get there. We'll, we'll 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 get to that stuff. Um, so yeah, we're we're pretty much gonna um, ba- uh, bang straight into it. Um, we we recorded the Crimson Peak bit first because we um, were thinking that's the one that we should spend the most time on, you know, and then we'll see how much time we have got left for the rest of it. Um, so yeah, let's get on. Uh, Mark, anything to talk about before we dive in? Uh, no, no, um, I mean, just that, that Noel was supposed to join us, uh, oh, on this show, sorry, yes, um, but, but sadly, um, he couldn't, because he couldn't get to, to see, um, Crimson Pete, because, uh, Claire's grandmother passed away, uh, this week, so, obviously, our thoughts and wishes are with, with Claire and Noel at this, at this point, um, so... Yeah, that yeah, was it really. Absolutely. Um, other than that, there's, there's you know there's, there's nothing really happened in the, the the film world really, has there? It's been a bit of a, a quiet week. The new Star Wars poster has just come out. Uh, apparently, it's the, is that the official poster? Yeah, that's the the one. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, um, which is strange. I'm, I, I swear there was a poster released not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, there was. Uh, Drew Struzan did one. Ah, that is, is, is he not done this apparently one? Apparently not. Is it just a Drew Strausen uh, filter then they've used? Um, uh, essentially, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, I, it's I, I I I am doing that thing where I'm going to I'm gonna step away from it and go I'm gonna leave this up to the people who enjoy it and not be the snippy dick in the corner. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike from Chinstroker versus Punter, um, uh, like in our WhatsApp little thread, just said uh, that Star Wars poster is pretty much the, to the brushstroke exactly what I expected, no more, no less. My only observations are that it is a little too sharp and unpainterly like for Struzan. I, I don't think he does it though. And that Michael Arndt still gets a story credit, which indicates they are using some of Lucas's story ideas. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Arndt was like working on it a couple of years back and. I'm, I'm sure some stuff did filter through, but I like the poster. It just it fits in with the rest of them. And uh, where's Luke? Um, you know, that's got people's um, tongues wagging, um, considering, you know, and uh, Carrie Fisher, what's going on with her hair as well. But anyway, Kronos. Kronos. 1993's Kronos, starring Federico Lupi, uh, Ron Perlman, Claudio Brook, and... Uh, 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 Marguerite, uh, hang about. What the, what's the girl's name? G- the girl's name. Aurora. Yeah. Aurora, yeah. Tamara Shanaf. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, Kronos is, uh, I'm just gonna read the thing off IMDb, I think. A mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life resurfaces after 400 years, le- leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Um, so, yes, Kronos, it's, uh, the film that basically made um, Del Toro. It's his um, first full-length film. And what did we think? Um, it's an incredibly imaginative uh, take on the vampire uh, genre, to be honest, is, is what Coronas is. Um, it takes the idea, um, essentially, of a vampire slash uh, zombie um, and takes it away from the traditional... Um, Count vampire um, elements of it and throws kind of alchemy at it and gives it a different spin of it being this device um, that has been created using science and a little bit of magic uh, that it is a mechanical device that contains a living heart inside of it that essentially filters blood through to give eternal life. It, it, it's a it's a great imagination brought to life. Um, in a very, you know, entertaining sort of story. Uh, it's exactly as long as it needs to be. Um, it's It's got more of the playful elements of Del Toro uh, mixed in with that kind of gothic almost fucking um, ambling after dark mentality to it. <laughs> yeah. um, which, which is fantastic. You know, you get a great um uh, strange performance from from Ron Perlman in there uh who kind of just shakes everything up apparently his entire character was supposed to be completely all uh in Spanish but um uh, Perlman's uh, grasp of Spanish was nowhere near good enough so they they gave him um changed some of his uh, dialogue to be um in English um which works really well for the character yeah i mean, i i really enjoy Kronos. um it's I, 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 it's obviously it's not as substantial as um, as some of his other films that we'll talk about, and um, mm. I think maybe sometimes the tone is a little bit misjudged. Like I, I like Ron Perlman's character, he's really really likable. Yeah, but <laughs> yes, then, isn't he? yeah, but then like he just I, you know, the the fact that him at the it's him versus Federico Lupi at the end. And he suddenly basically has to turn into an evil bastard. And it's like, well, and, you know, and obviously the bit where he kind of kills Federico Lupi as well. But it, it, it doesn't quite 
connect for me. But I like yeah. the idea that he's basically a pissed off nephew who's having to do this fucking running around for his uncle, and he's just waiting for him to die. I I like. I, I, and the fact I, that, yeah, the fact that he keeps getting his nose broke. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, the, yeah, the, the the bit where he's like asking, um, <laughs> asking which like which one of the noses is the best. You know, it, it's that kind of kooky stuff. I, I I really like, but I think it kind of makes the ending of the film feel a a little out of place. Um, and I, I, that the whole kind of mythology about the device, I don't. I don't quite understand it, if I'm absolutely honest. Yeah, it filters blood, but why does he need blood, and why does it give him kind of marble-like skin? No, the marble skin is because um, he's essentially he's grown a new skin within it, which I'm guessing comes from the the idea of insects. Can some of them can shed their skin, so it comes from that idea. The reason why it's marble-like is because essentially he's got no blood uh, within his system, so your blood effectively right. helps colour your skin. Fair enough. Yep, okay. That's actually, absolutely that explained then. No, fair play. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I yeah, um, I, I really like the relationship between the little girl and Federico Luffy. Um, I love the fact that she doesn't talk. Yet, you, yet, yet you, you barely even notice the fact that she doesn't talk. No, no, she's completely expressive just in a, in a yeah. silent performance and, the, the, you know, the one word at the end is, you know, kind of lovely and tragic and heartbreaking. I mean, the, that that sequence is great. Like he looks like he wants to eat her, mm. and, and, and then she comes out with you know grandfather, and it, you know it, it kind of sets him back. Um, like he really looks monstrous in like that that moment, and it, I mean that it's great. The threat level there is brilliant. It's just this weird, like fucked up. Like like you say, dark ambling after dark is perfect. It really is. It's got that weird, kooky vibe, but not like just shouting in your face how kooky it is, and and it just it's its own little world, and it everything just seems to kind of click in its own little world, you know, like clockwork, I suppose. And um, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of the stuff that Del Toro still uses, you know. I mean, there's no stuff about clockwork in um, in uh, Crimson Peak, but Hellboy 2 as well. Yeah, Hellboy 2 is full of it. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, mm. the climactic bit takes place in a massive clockwork area, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, so. there's, 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 there's some mild elements within uh, Pan's Labyrinth as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, the, the, there's uh, a lot the, of... The watches and stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, it, it's it's very much Del Toro. I mean, it's an incredibly <laughs> impressive debut. Um it, It's... The, the, it, he essentially, he's setting out a stall of this is this is my world come into it and if you enjoy it um we'll come here again and you can enjoy it again mm. um yeah I, I, but next time I'll, I'll take you over here um it, it's a strange one of it's of his um his non um sort of like comic book movie or you know pacific rim is not a comic book movie but you, you know that kind of thing you know with the blade and everything like that of his, what people would call his critical movies rather than his blockbuster movies, which he would tell you, oh, go fuck yourself if you called any of them, if you, um, if you kind of categorized them like that. It's the only one that's actually set sort of, I mean, it's actually set in the future. Um, it's set around the time it's made. You know, Devil's Backbone isn't. Pan's Labyrinth isn't. Crimson Peak isn't. But Cronus is actually set in, I think, 1997. Which is strange. It was made in 
I never picked up on that. I know. I mean, I know it takes place around Christmas, but the the year that's interesting. I've seen yeah. a few times as well. Yeah, it, it's it's set in nineteen ninety seven. You know, up from 90, over ninety six to ninety seven because it happens over you know over a, um, a New Year's thing. But yeah, it, it's a it's a strange thing to do. You know, to set it a couple of years in the future for no actual. It would appear like no Probably actual like reason. Yeah. Reason. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just a, a quirk, I suppose. Uh, or there might be a reason. I've just never fucking noticed no, it. No, so. I don't think there is, no. No, I mean, that, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good first feature. I mean, it does have stumblings. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of the score. Um, I, 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 that's the one element that maybe is a little bit too kook for me. Yeah. Like the harpsichord or whatever the fuck it is that's like, uh, that, um, that, that is kind of like the main theme in the film. I'm not a massive fan of, and um, yeah, I, it, the, the, the 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 slight balancing of the tone at times, I think, it is just a little bit of an issue for me. But like like you said earlier on, it, it's as long as it needs to be. It's like 92 minutes long. It does it, there's no fat on it whatsoever. No. Um, I mean, like there's there's stuff that isn't essential to the story, but is the character. I mean, there's a lot of that with Ron Perlman really, and. Um, it, it, it just adds to it, and yeah, I I, I really really like a rate Chronos. It's an odd, odd duck of a film. Yeah, um, I don't have that much more to say about it actually. I mean, it's <laughs> certainly slight. It, it is slight, but in in the best possible way. Mm. Um, in the fact that it. it Starts, gets in, gets its shit done, and it entertains thoroughly throughout. There's, there's not a, like you said, there's not a great deal to it, but what is there is, is very fun and entertaining. Um, like you say, tonally a little bit, um, flickers a little bit, uh, along the way, but, you know, you'd still say that, I mean, overall, it, it is, without question, definitely not shit. It's a, it's a brilliant movie. Um, it, it, it's, but, but yeah, out of the next sort of you know few films we're gonna talk about, it's certainly the most slight. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, definitely not shit. Let's let's yeah, let's move shit. on. Cause I think we've got more more to talk about. Um, mm. So, the Devil's Backbone. Um, what year was this? Uh, two thousand one. Two thousand one. Thank you very much. And uh, it stars Marisa Paradis, Eduardo Noriega. Federico Lupi, uh, Federico Lupi again, um, and others. Um, and basically, this is the story of an. Um, oh, I'm just going to read the fucking thing again. After Carlos, a 12-year-old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, arrives at an ominous boys' orphanage, he discovers the school is haunted and has many dark secrets that he must uncover. Um, Shall I start this time, just to mix it up a bit? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, definitely. Go on. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, the Devil, the Devil's Backbone's fantastic. Um, I, I, I think this is a wonderful film. Um, it's there's a line in Crimson Peak. Uh, this is this is not a ghost story. It's a story with ghosts in it, which applies to Crimson Peak and applies to the Devil's Backbone as well. Um, this is a story where the ghosts are there, be, you know, because they they have resentment and they they have sadness and they're stuck in a limbo kind of state waiting for justice, um, which isn't something that the well I suppose it kind of is. Well, anyway, 
sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Uh, but yes, um, so they're, they're, they're kind of waiting for justice and they need someone to help them. And you've got the, 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 the bomb in it, which is as potent a fucking metaphor for uh, things sealed which want to explode as as anything else ever. Um, mm. But you've also got the, the relationships between the boys, which are fantastic. The I love the arc of the bully boy. Like, just halfway through the film, he realises that this other kid is not an enemy and that they're all in it together and and just, like, flips. And then every all the boys are just there fighting the same cause. I love that. I fucking yeah. love that. And, uh, I mean, Eduardo Noriega is hugely unlikable um but at the at, you know at the same time you kind you do kind of get why women would want to fuck him um but because yeah. he's the he's the uh non he's the mexican non-union equivalent of eli roth yeah i can see that he's very eli roth looking in it yeah and eli roth it is one of those who can be incredibly unlikable but can also be incredibly charismatic charismatic at the same time yeah totally yeah fair enough um but yeah i, I mean i'll let you talk that go on um you often say this this one thing um that, that i think is a great way to look at films is you'll give a, a film five out of five if you think that film is is perfect if you wouldn't change a single thing yeah. um for me, Dill Backbone, then, is one of those movies. It is one of those few movies that every time I watch it, I'm at the point of where it, it, it starts to end, and I go, no, no way, why? Why is it finishing? What's going on? Hmm. Because I, I feel like I started watching it ten minutes before. I think it is an absolutely perfect movie uh, in terms of for what it is trying to do. Uh, like you say, it's a... It's not a ghost story, it's uh, a story that happens to have ghosts in it, but also it works very well if you view it as, as a ghost story as well. It's also um, a a kind of, it's a very uh, good non-battle war movie. Uh, in terms of, of, of for what it's showing you, the, you know, the isolation um, of these boys are there through circumstance and they they come from different kind of places and they don't really know what's going on or why they're there or how long they're going to be there or what's beyond it because all they know is the fact that they're there because of this war um there's there's so much going on with it i, I really do think it is it is a, a quite brilliant film that that doesn't get the uh, the plaudits or the recognition it deserves because people discovered a different film um, years later and then went back to this and constantly compared it to to another film. Yeah. Um, but I, I do I think it's a staggeringly brilliant film. Yeah, I mean that, that, I mean it's, it's certainly doing different things than you know Pan's Labyrinth. I mean oh, it, you know I mean it's it, it's telling a completely different story and it's um uh, one of the few that kind of focus focus on a little boy you know i mean like it's is a lot of del torio's focusing especially these the kind of the the less hollywood films that are more kind of female centric or, or little girl centric you know yeah um and like i say i mean the the, the relationship between the boys is great and 
it, again, it's as long as it needs. I, I think it's as long as it needs to be. You know, it, it, it tells its story and it gets out. And again, no fats. And I, I, I mean, the Federico Lupi, who we didn't really talk about too much with Kronos, but I mean, like he is fantastic in Kronos and he's, he's oh, great yeah. here as well. His kind of wise, slightly melancholy, but still chipper um, yeah. uh, guy and his determination to stay with them until the end and even when he's dead he stays with them yeah he's he's a genuinely good guy you know he he loves carmen um but couldn't tell her while her husband was alive and now can't tell her because she's still in his mind in mourning but he knows that she knows and he's kind of He's the the companion, and, he, and he's happy to remain there as the companion, and he's got that element of it. But he's also he, he it's almost like he he's got all this knowledge, and out in the the, the world, it, it's nothing. But there, he can bestow it to these boys, and he, he can essentially he, he absolutely views them as they're all they're all his children, um, and he, he has that that kind of that protective nature to it. I mean, the great bit where. Where he's where he's in the window and um, everyone and the the two guys stop and get out of the car. The fact that he's stood holding on to them and he's not just holding on to them; he's got his hands in front of them as well. So it, it's all, all that protective kind of nature of, of that. It's part they're holding me up, but you're not gonna you're not getting these boys. It, it's a it's a brilliant brilliant performance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um... And I mean, like Eduardo Noriega, fantastically hissable bad guy as well. And I like the way that it, his, I mean, like his kind of going mad. It's not even because he's worried he's going to get discovered about um, killing Santi. It's like that. He's got gold fever, essentially. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it, it, yeah exactly. It's the, it's the gold fever. But the... the it says so much about his character that even after he killed Santi, he still hang, hung around. And he was just this mm. insidious presence, kind of making everything around him just a little bit worse. Um, yeah. It, sorry, go on. And it, 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 it's like everybody knows that uh, that he's a bad guy, yeah. with the exception of uh, Conchita. Yeah. Um, who who doesn't seem to know he's a bad guy. But everybody knows he's a bad guy, but nobody wants to tell the other person that he's a bad guy. Carmen knows he's a bad guy and knows that he's up to no good, but she needs him there for because cause she needs a bit of dick every now and again. Yeah. Um, the uh, pretty Loopy knows he's a bad guy because he just doesn't like him. The Kids know he's a bad guy because he's an arsehole to them. Uh, and one of them knows that he killed Santi. And so it's, there's all this, he's a bad guy, but it's almost like they need the bad guy. They need the bad guy in this Scarface kind of way, somebody to point at and go, that's the bad guy. There. Uh, they just, none of them, none of them think that he's gonna go quite as bad as he goes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, I don't know, he turns into an absolutely malicious bastard by the end. I mean, yeah, he, he, he kills, he kills Conchita for essentially not doing what he said. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
I mean, I also like the fact that the the the, the fact that there's, there's this bomb there, and Santi says you're all going, you know, many of you are going to die. Throughout the whole thing, you think the bomb's going to go off, the bomb's going to go off, the bomb's going to go off, and it it's not that. No, I mean, it's, it's, the, the, the bomb is just a massive yeah. metaphor, essentially. I know, and it, 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 it's fantastic. It, it, it is so in your face. It is there all of the fucking time. And the other thing is, um, you know, this is a point that I was, I was making, uh, that I've got to admit later on, is um, Guillermo uh, Navarro's cinematography in it, it is incredible. It's, um, it, it's shot almost um like part fucking john ford part john houston at, at, at points sure. uh, in the fact that the, it's very flat and it's very it's very wide angled and there's a lot of symmetry there it, it's everybody's on point in this movie uh the kids are all great like you're saying there's this that kind of camaraderie between them all um and, and you know the, the the bully kid what's his name uh Jaime, um, he, let's like say, there's a realisation, he kind of snaps, which kids can do that. Kids can fall out and be arseholes and then the next day be best friends. Um, it, it does happen that quickly with kids. Mm. Um, it, 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 there's so much that just, it clicks along so, so well and it looks fantastic and the story's great and everything is just absolutely on point with this movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it just, I don't know, even the... The, the 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 kind of the tense stuff that doesn't really involve the ghosts is, is is solid and from a kind of a kid level as well the um when they're they're going to get the water yeah you know it's just as a kid you, you like you you would have been scared shitless doing that even without any ghosts there and then you know um um Eduardo Noriega I keep forgetting his character's name but like it come uh, it comes in and you've got that added element of tension along with knowing that you know there could be a ghost kind of presence around as well um so it, I mean just the fact that it gets so much of its tension not from the more traditional ghost story horror elements but from real world stuff which is something that Pan's Labyrinth does um as well you know it it, it, it I don't know it's just it is a masterful film i mean when i was saying chronos just doesn't quite get his tone right this is perfect between like a boys growing up thing and as a ghost story i mean just like the the the, the relationship between conchita and the the bully kid as well that's kind of fascinating because you know he gives he gives her that kind of ring thing and um she like gives him a kiss and it's almost like do you know what in five, ten years' time, if you know, they had both stayed alive, a lot, you know, you could, maybe could have actually seen them hooking up. Like almost, yeah. almost like it's not a a, a, a wish fulfillment boy fantasy kind of thing. But she actually sees a kindness in him, and she kind of plays up to that. And it doesn't feel like just cheeky flirting. It almost feels like she's like. You're, I don't know. You're an you're an innocent. You you know you are more worthwhile than my boyfriend actually is, or something. Not in a paedophile kind of way. You understand, like just in a she's kind of realizing that there's a, a, a I don't know positivity in innocence. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That that she's not just looking throwing him a ball, and there's a genuine kind of there's a, there's an affection there, maybe. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Shit, are we done on this as well? <laughs> I think I think we 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 might be. I mean, it, it's yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely not shit. It, it's a it's a very very strong movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, definitely fucking not shit, De- dearie me. I I'm not too sure whether this is my favourite Del Toro or not. It is mine. Interesting. Okay, Pan's Labyrinth. It's up there. It's, it's, it's up there. Um, probably with. Weirdly enough, it's up there with kind of Elbow Two and Pacific Rim as my favourite Del Toro movies. Mm. I. I don't know. Let's let let's talk about Pan's Labyrinth. Um, <laughs> Two thousand and seven. Yes, um, six. And um, oh fuck, I've got to turn my monitor on again. Stars Sergio Lopez, Ivana Beguero, Beguero, yeah, um, and some other people. Those are the ones I could do from memory. Never mind. Um, okay, so Doug Jones, uh, Doug Jones, yeah, he's Doug Jones, Federico Lupi, Lupi, uh, he's in there as well. Special appearance by Federico Lupi right at the end and talking about yeah. some stuff. Um, and Doug Jones as the fawn who's never actually referred to as Pan. Pan, no. <laughs> um, which is fascinating. I mean, Del Toro calls this Pan's Labyrinth as well. But El, he does, yeah. El, Lab, El Labyrintho del Forno. The Labyrinth of the Farms. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, after, I don't even know why I'm doing synopses here. Um, Mark, what do you think? It's a wonderful twisted fairy tale. Um you know, it's, there's, the thing is, the, the great thing about Pan's Labyrinth is you've got essentially two different ideas within one film. You have the, the real world and you have the, 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 um, the fantasy world. Um, and both of them, um, are as interesting as, as each other. Um, I mean, even, you could pro, you could probably have, not argue if you, if for instance, you thought that the, the whole outstanding fantasy world and the, um, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, the Spanish Civil War and, um, Francoism and things like that, um, that's the more interesting thing. Um, somebody who preferred the fantasy couldn't really argue their case that it's not. It, and vice versa. You know, there's, there's two separate kind of, viewings upon this to look at it and everybody i think has a every point is is sort of valid within it um it's wonderfully inventive and the idea of you know getting smacked with visionary director you know is is largely um comes from pan's labyrinth because there's so much going on it's so there's so much visually uh to admire about it and the story is fantastic and it's it's so rich and inventive and new etc and it takes from all these different fairy tales and throws them together and and pulls out this this wonderful kind of story out of you know a horrible time in 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 spain slash europe's history yeah no, yeah pretty much <laughs> fucking hell fair play um it, it, i i think it's amazing um it manages like you say it just does so much there are so many plates spinning with this film and yet somehow it manages to pretty much um uh, 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 stop them all from breaking it, it just 
it works as a piece of historical fiction and as a strong fantasy genre tinged with horror film all at the same time. And what other film can you say actually does that? Mm. You know, I, it's 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 insane. I mean, what's real and what's not? Who cares? This is all real to to her. Yeah, um, that's that's that exactly exactly. There's no. It, it, it's it's left fairly ambiguous, and it's make your own mind up. Take take from it what you will. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's. I mean, I think it's got some some of the strongest horror in um, in Del Toro's filmography. I mean, the the Pale Man sequence is oh. genuinely terrifying. Like, yeah, the, just the the image of him with his hands up and he's got his hands cl- clasped and then he opens them up and the eyes are there and then they like kind of open up. It just, that shit is crazy. And like the way he moves as well. I mean, Doug Jones is, is doing some seriously amazing work here and, and with pan or, or the fawn, you know? Um, but it, I mean, that is stunning, but I mean, you, it's, um, it's amazing to look at. Um, the, I, I, I like the different colour schemes, you know, the kind of the earthiness of, um, uh, of like the, the labyrinth world, uh, with, mixed with the kind of the cold, almost like steel blues of the, the out, the outside kind of war world, and then the kind of the halfway house in, inside the building. Um, it, it just, it works so well. And it, it the, the, the music, the lullaby theme, it just, it gets in your head. Um, and Ivana Baccaro, I mean, she's amazing in this. <laughs> she's so yeah, good. she is, yeah. And it, it does. It is wonderful in the fact that um, you know she's you know, the idea of either there's there's a, you know that she's been taken to this this place that essentially is her destiny, and beneath all that's there is is, is her kingdom, or she's been forced to go to this place from her home and now she's set in this little tiny little corner of the world come from corner of, of, of this little fucking I don't know station point within uh in Spain's forests uh from Barcelona I think they're supposed to be from um and so she's now got this tiny little plot of of world it feels like the entire film is is within um just kind of 500 yards of itself uh yet there's so much going on um in that small little plot of land that it's almost it's you know it's resistance meeting uh you know fascism um whilst also at the time you've got you know quite you know it seems to be that the wife is only there to provide him with an heir to his kingdom and his kingdom is this outpost which to him is everything he's he is the ruler of that and it's it's a really it's a strange kind of this is the king of of, of his domain it's a it works wonderfully within the whole you know fairy tale story yeah i i i mean absolutely and i i like how vidal is not a 100% and like not an absolute monster like it's not that he doesn't have any feeling like i mean even though it kind of 
it might sound counter, but the scene early on when um, they're confronted by the, the guys farming the rabbits and he just shoots them and then they like fight. They they find rabbits in his back in the backpack and it's like it's almost like he did that as an example to his men. It's it's yeah, almost it, like he knew they were telling oh, yeah. the truth. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely knew it was it was to basically say I might have killed them, but it's your fault I killed them because you didn't do your fucking jobs properly. And then walks off, and it's it, it, it's that level of I will always go one step beyond where I need to go just to fucking prove to you that I will get but, there. But yeah, but it's not because I'm an absolutely psychopathic bastard. It's because huh. I need to be in control. That's why I'm here and you're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say he's he's a likable character or anything like that. And I'm, no, he's a horrible yeah, character he's a, he's a uh, monster and i just i love the ending as well where he's like tell my son blah blah, blah and then mercedes is like he's not even no. gonna know your name yeah, yeah. Uh, with that like it, it just the the, the the kind of the horror of, of the that realization you know uh, it's it's absolutely well it is it, it, it's the whole he in his mind they're still at war, despite the fact that the war ended years ago, they're now a dominating force. The resistance, they are. There's no longer the war's gone. The Spanish Civil War had been was, was over for a number of years. Um, but you know, to him, his death there is noble because he's offering himself up as like this essentially martyr of war, and it isn't. That isn't what's happening. And it, it, he he thinks that they're like no. They, that isn't what this is. No, we won't tell him that. You're a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like, oh, what fucking shit. And then the fact that he gets shot in there, there's a lot of face stabbing and a face shooting in Del Toro's. Faces don't do well in Del Toro films. No, no, quite. I mean, Jesus Christ, the kind of like... I... The bottle scene. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, and the thing is, I remember, um, it, you know... It, it was a pre-social media um, times when Pan's Labyrinth came out. Um, and I remember going to see it, um, you know, and it was all over the place that it was this 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 magnificent visionary fairy tale, uh, this like twisted fairy tale that, that was fantastic and you had to see it. And all of the the things that I'd read about and everything was all about, you know, the, you know, the, the pale man and this, this, this world, etc., and then in the first 20 minutes, you're greeted by, you know, a, a man having his face stoved in by a bottle of wine. And it's like, it's quite, it, it was, it was jarring at a time. I remember thinking, oh, oh, fuck, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> wow. And it, it, it keeps on at that tone. It's like it goes, well, here's the fantasy world and here's the fantasy violence where you've got the pale man biting the heads off fairies. But here's the real violence where you've got this, this, you know, this general, this, this, this not madman, this incredibly controlled, but quite, um, I don't know what the word is, um, masochistic controller who has all the power in the world, in that part of the world, who's fucking does things like he does to the guy who can, who stutters. You know, the fact that his hand's completely mangled. 
it's it's incredible. No, I it, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It, 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 he doesn't hide. I mean, he never, ever, ever hides away from violence. I mean, even with, like, Pacific Rim, almost. I mean, like, the level of violence in that film is pretty fucking hardcore. It's just it's robot mm. violence. You yeah. know, and kaiju violence. So it, it's... I mean, he it, it just... That's the thing. He's not... A, I mean, apart from Mimic, it feels like he's not a, a filmmaker who allows himself to be compromised by other people. I well, I think, say. I think, yeah, I, I would think that, um, I think part of that is because, probably, because of Mimic, to be honest, because, you know, Kronos was essentially, you know, I mean, it was partially self-funded, um, you know, and I think it went over budget and he took out, like, loans against his house and against his business and um, Ron Perlman ended up working for next to nothing for it and things like that. And then he got Mimic, which was a good sort of four years later. Um, and because he had such a terrible experience with interference with that, he very much, he does things his own way or he doesn't do them, which you can look at and say, well... He made his first movie, his first proper feature movie, um, 22 years ago. Hmm. And he's only actually made, what, one? Kronos, Mimic, Backbone, Blade 2, Hellboy, Pans, Hellboy 2, Pacific Rim, and Crimson Peak. Hmm. That's nine movies, you know, in near 25 years. You know, that's, you know... It's not a bad turnout, but there's certainly there's directs out there that would do virtually one a year that could probably double those numbers quite easily. Yeah, uh, yeah I it just he only ever seems to do stuff when he actually wants to do it, and and I it, I don't know he's the um, oh god who was the actor we were talking about who's like Keanu Reeves, he's yeah Keanu Reeves of film directors, yeah yeah I can see that you I know don't think he, he'd direct Knock Knock though. <laughs> from the from the sounds of it, no. <laughs> but it is, it, he's, you know, the, the amount of ideas and the amount of things that he comes out with. I mean, the, the fact that he, you know, Hellboy wasn't a massive success, you know, in, in terms of, um, of kind of like a, you know, as a blockbuster, you know, it, it didn't, it probably didn't even, it, it may be just about broke even, but even that would probably be a stretch. Yet we still got Hellboy two, um, and that was just out of sheer force of, of of will. And then you know that movie probably just about turned a profit. Yet he still, still try to get a possibility of Hellboy three, and it it could it could happen. It's unlikely, but it could happen. You know, Pacific Rim ended up being you know. A, a moderate success, actually, you know, it, it without question will have turned a profit. Um, and Pacific Rim 2 has gone from being it's happening to it's definitely not happening to look, it might happen. It's 50 50 nowadays. I think the opening weekend for Crimson Peak may have put paid to that. I like his well, cachet is not going to be very high, which is well, that's, kind of heartbreaking. That's it, yeah. Yeah, sorry. But I reckon with Crimson Peak, you, you, uh, Pacific Rim 2, if, if a studio turned around to him and said, you could do it, but we want this guy in it. We want the rock in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, 
Del Toro does kind of need a film where he's got proper... Where he's bank- not the star. Yeah, yes. Where proper bankable stars. Crimson Peak did 12.85 million in the US this weekend. That's not good. Crimson Peak will will maybe just about break even. It's at a push. It, yeah, I mean, it's going to have to do well north of 100 million worldwide to do that. Yeah, but the thing is, I remember when Pacific Rim came out and everyone was going, oh, it's a massive flop, it's a massive flop, but it's like, it, it's still got to open in certain markets. You can't, you know, nowadays, studios very much, the idea of what you had near 10 years ago where it was all what it did in America, that's gone now. You know, other markets can make a fucking movie. If you break Asia, and Del Toro has a lot of fucking still has a lot of cachet in the Asian markets. If you can break that, there you go. Now, admittedly, Crimson Peak has less uh, appeal than Pacific Rim did uh, in terms of appealing to those markets. But I still think the name carries across. And the name carries across, you know, Europe a lot better as well, I think. Yeah, it'll be intriguing to see how it does over there. But then again, I mean, we live in a world where a Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks film debuts at number three in its opening weekend. So the times they are are changing. Uh, can, honestly, but uh, slight tangent now uh, on that, um, what you were just saying there about the, the Spielberg thing. I can't remember a couple of things. I was looking at that. I saw a, um, a, a poster for uh, Bridge of Spies while it was a cinema and thought, that movie, nobody is talking about that movie. And it's directed by you know somebody who many would claim it is the, you know, possibly one of the greatest directors of all time. Not living directors or currently working directors, but one of the greatest directors of all time. But it does feel a little bit like he kind of... His films come out a bit of a whimper nowadays. Um, well, I mean, Lincoln did really well. Um... It, did, it, did, it, did, it did really well. But that was kind of always going to do really well. In the same way as American Sniper was always going to do very well, Lincoln was a little bit like that. It was the story of how America was built. He was always going to do well in in that, what is it? And plus it was Daniel Lewis playing Lincoln. But, you know, War Horse, you know, it did well, but it it kind of... Yeah, I know what you're saying. War Horse did really well because... 60-year-old women went to see it at 3 o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. Nobody, nobody gave a shit about Tintin, and nobody gives a shit about Tintin now. There's nobody is is sat going, when's the next fucking Tintin movie coming out? Which is why there's not going to be another Tintin movie coming out. You know, and Indiana Jones, you know, I think you're going back to the last time... A, a Spielberg movie was a proper fucking blockbuster. It was pretty War of the Worlds. Um, just having a look now. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty much right there. It just, it, 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 it's, it's strange how, how, how he's, how he's kind of, he's gone from being the king of blockbusters to the Bridge of Spies is out next week. <laughs> well, I mean, like, he's doing the BFG next, which I think is probably going to be huge, and he's got Ready Player One. Ready Player One's going to be fascinating, because it, it just, it's Spielberg playing with pop culture again, and it's like, is he the right person to be playing with pop culture again? 
But like you say, at least it's fucking interesting. Because Bridge of Spies isn't interesting. Uh, it might be a good film. I don't know. And I, I, I will watch it. But it isn't interesting. The BFG isn't fucking interesting. <laughs> uh, but Ready Player One. Do you know what? That's interesting. Like you say, what can a... How old is he now? Near, he must be pushing 70 nowadays, mustn't he? What, Spielberg? Oh, fuck knows how old he is, yeah. He, you know, I, mean, I know he was he lied about his age for years, but yeah, he's 68. You know, when that movie comes out, it'll be 70. How can a 70-year-old man... No, not how can. How does a 70-year-old man view pop culture? Um, and if anybody can get it on point, you know, it, you know, Spielberg might be the one to do that. But at least it's fucking interesting. Because Warhorse wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. I it, yeah, no, absolutely, man. I it just it's um, it just it it kind of feels like the world uh, like. Yeah, sorry, just uh, replying to Donna about something. Um, yeah, um, it just kind of feels like the uh, cinematic world is maybe going past him, and maybe that's maybe that's a bad thing. You know, it, mm. it's I mean. The whole thing about like directors moving to TV and things like that—it just—it does feel like there's some sort of generational shift happening, and it's going to be interesting to see who kind of comes up now. I mean, is it going to be J.J. Abrams or is it going to be Michael Bay? Or, you know, or well, Abrams essentially is the—you know—if you're going to kind of pocket people as the new X, yes. Y, and Z, yeah. uh, then Abrams, you know, is the Will be, you know, the obvious fucking torchbearer for um for Spielberg. Uh, torch, um, take over for Spielberg. You know that he's already got that mould. Um, in the fact that you know it, he makes a very similar tonally movie, and he makes he's a very like Spielberg. He's a very very safe bet. Yeah. You know, if a studio turns round to him and goes, it's "Your movie, would kind of like you to do this." He'll work, he'll make it work in the way that, that he wants to, to do it. And he'll, 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 he'll tow the party line to a large degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. It, it, but why are we having this conversation? <laughs> I don't know. We just kind of, we, 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 we fucking, we tangent it. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so I think maybe we're done with, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. It's, it's, it's definitely not yeah. shit. It, it's a wonderful looking movie. And like you say, the, the Doug Jones creation and, and physical embodiment of, um, of the, of the fawn and the pale man is fantastic. The, the fawn is a genuinely terrifying character, I think, as much as the pale man is. Oh no, absolutely you know, man. I mean, like... When the fawn loses its shit with her for, for, for essentially breaking his rules. And you've got that wonderful, like, I can't remember who it is that, that voices it, but you've got that wonderful, the voice of it, and it, the fact that it's so angry, it's so animated, it, it works so well. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's, the, the way he moves as well, it, um, it, it you kind of wonder whether it's going to eat her or try and fuck her, and it's really disconcerting. Yeah. It is, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's very strange, and the fact that you, you're never quite sure whether or not he's a good guy or a bad yeah, guy. Yeah, for sure. And that's still ambiguous when you get to the end of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was basically, I don't know, he was kind of testing her all the way through, essentially, wasn't he? But, um, mm. yeah, it's... Um, he's a scary motherfucker. Mm. Um, right, 
Um, okay, so it's time for the main event, and uh, it's Crimson Peak, which uh, stars Mia Vasikowska, uh, Tom Hiddleston, um, Jessica Chastain, and Charlie Hunnam. And it's uh, so. What's the story of it? Um, Edith Cushing is a uh, aspiring writer who's a fiercely independent woman um, who immediately falls for Tom Hiddleston um, after um, a, a little bit of. Um, putting up resistance. Um, she goes with him to his family estate, um, Ab- 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 Aberdale Hall. Aber- Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, there are secrets there. Um, there are ghosts there. And uh, Jessica Chastain plays Tom Hiddleston's uh, sister. Uh, and she might be a bit of a wrong-in, who knows. You, you pretty much can tell she's a bit of a wrong and right from the fucking start, but um, hey. Uh, okay, so Crimson Peak. Um, uh, I, I, we haven't actually recorded the rest of the show before we do this bit because we didn't know how long this bit was going to go on for and we wanted to leave, leave this bit have the, like, the freest amount of time. So I really like all the films we've covered so far. I, I <coughs> kind of think Mark probably did, but we'll find out. Um, but Mark, what did you think of Crimson Peak? It, it, honestly, it, it's a bit of a disappointment, to be honest. Um, for that, okay, right. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's not terrible, but it, it, it's let down by some terrible elements um, within it. Um, certainly, uh, it overall, um, and we'll, we'll delve more into this. Overall, it, it feels a little bit like del toro light um and i think it, it, it suffers from certainly um from not having uh guillermo navarro uh, on board as well i think it, it certainly suffers there but there are big big problems with it um there are some nice elements to it but overall i i did feel a little bit underwhelmed by it um, irked by certain bits of it and just like a constant fe- feeling of yeah, this sh- it, it, it should be better really I, I don't know why it's where the ideas disappeared yeah I, I own a framed Mondo Crimson it's just a beautiful poster. poster yeah that I now don't really want because every time I look at it I'll just be thinking I wish that film was better um, and it is a really nice poster as well. Um, the thing is, it's if it was another horror director, I'd probably be kinder towards it. But I, I expected better. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because Del Toro says that this Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone are the closest to what he, like, what was in his head is what is on the screen out of all of his films. Um, and I'm I'm kind of surprised by that because he couldn't because I remember in in the kind of the preamble to this that he was saying it's like a sexy scary um, kind of like twisted romance and it's not sexy at all. To be fair, I do remember um, watching on Sky uh, when uh, Pacific Rim came out. He actually said at the time that 
Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone and Pacific Rim were the closest thing to ha- what he had in his head to being on screen. W- was literally exactly what he said. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. I, it just... It, it, it's not quite there. Tom Hiddleston and Mia Wasikowska have no chemistry whatsoever. Can, can we look at that, right, this? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. But Mia Wasikowska is now... Can, I, I, I admit, I, I, I don't think she's very good. I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes of this, I was thinking, no, actually... She's not doing bad. And then she just gets steadily worse as it goes through. She's consistently poor in so many things. I just, it baffles me how she gets these kind of roles. It really does. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think she's, I think she's okay. She's insipid. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I think Tom Hiddleston is, is decent enough, even though the, the role is, so not a stretch for him. It's why I'm intrigued by that Hank Williams biopic he's done that's just got pushed into next year. Because yeah, well, apparently it's not great. It is him pushing. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Tom Hiddleston. I think he's, he's a very talented actor. Um, and I think he has a couple of scenes in this where he, he's very good. I think overall, to be honest, I think he's crap. You know, <laughs> I really do. Yeah. And I, I'm very surprised by that because there are a couple of scenes where he's, he's very, very good and it, it's Tom Hiddleston. Uh, but it does seem that... Once they get to the, um, once they leave America and get to um, the Adeline House um, set, the film just starts to get so caught up in itself that it can never quite work out what it's doing. Mm. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, like, just touching on the, the Hiddleston and Vaskowski uh, mm. thing, the thing is, as well as them not having much chemistry, it also really negatively affects aspects of the film around that for me. Like, narratively, I do not believe for one second that this woman, this, like, fiercely independent, like, has avoided the affections of Charlie Hunnam for years, wants to do her own thing, a woman immediately falls for Tom Hiddleston because he's Tom Hiddleston and because he likes her her novels. And, And also, I don't believe that her presence and whatever it is about her would make him at the end basically go, no, I do actually love you. I'm going to stop all of this. I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. It, 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 there's no, there's no buildup in that at all. Why, why is this the woman that, that has made him go against what he's done in, in years, in years previous it doesn't there's there's not enough there's not enough time with them where he's having moments that you actually think might be genuine the whole time it seems like he's playing her so then to have this shift it just doesn't work and the 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 issue with that is there's like you said there's not enough time spent on that but then there's an awful lot of time spent on the the ghost uh, element and the ghost of it when what ends up actually happening in terms of the supernatural element of the film within that really at the end of the day it becomes a little bit fucking meaningless they have no real kind of tangible impact upon the film really they're just they could not be there quite easily you know she could quite easily have just 
found the letters um, and taken everything from that without having seen all of these ghosts. Donna Donna raised a a good point as well. Just before I forget, I want to ask you, the scene with Charlie Hunnam showing her the spirit photography where he's like, I've never shown you this before, but blah, blah, blah. What actually was the point of that in in the wider narrative? Because it never comes up again. I don't understand why that scene is there at all. I I don't understand why. But, but then again, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's, there's no point in it other than the fact that he's actually maybe maybe he doesn't have an interest in it. He's just showing an interest to kind of go, look, I like the same things you like. Look, it's- look. Uh, uh, but that's the only reason why I could think that's why it's there. But yeah, absolutely. It has no point within the entire film at all. It, it just... And it, it's those kind of moments where... It feels a little bit like, I mean, I don't know, I, I read somewhere uh, that Del Toro was, was writing um, extra scenes or new scenes whilst they were actually filming, oh, okay. um, which is always, you know, worrying uh, when, when, you know, when directors are, are, are doing are doing that, really. Uh, it very rarely tends to, or historically, uh, it, it doesn't seem to work that well. Um, and it just, it's all part of this, the, the feeling that I got, that the film just... It never seemed to feel like it knew what it was doing. Or if it did know what it was doing, I'm a little bit like, oh, really? That was it? Because I think, yeah, that the oh, was that it kind of thing is essentially what it is. The mystery is not all that detailed. It's not that interesting. Um, and by, But by the end, I will say I liked where Jessica Chastain went with it. She went big. <laughs> Yeah, she, and, she, I, I, yeah, I, and yeah, it worked. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fact that that she was just a mad bitch. That was it. I, I enjoyed the fact that it was. Oh, oh well. Do you know what? I'm all right with the fact that she's just mad. There's not that that her and Tom Hiddleston are these ancient spirits that have been there for years and they need to feed on uh, a young innocent to continue living or anything like that. You know, because that's being done. Mm. It is just Mad Bitch. But of course, Mad Bitch has just been done. And that was fine. But then when you start to go back at it and go, but hang on a minute, what what was the point in all the ghosts then? And so all of the, the stuff seeping through the ground and coming out of the walls, that literally just is clay. The dye from the clay. Yeah. It's not like, what? Well, oh, I, th- right. Th- the thing is, it, that's... It's, that's... It's, that and Jessica Chastain is quite overblown and hammy, and I like that. I I, I like the more melodrama aspects and the, the kind of the more hysterical aspects of the film, but it, it it it's there's not enough of that, and it mainly comes in too late. And you've got that contrasted against Mia Vasilkovska, <coughs> pardon me, sorry Vasilkovska, who's just insanely low energy, um, like th- through yeah. It. And um, and it just it it doesn't help. I like that Chastain, even when she's like being quiet and measured, there's a air of she she could, could snap. Flip, she could flip at any time about her, which I really which I really enjoy. You know, and I mean, it's just that like I th- it telegraphs so many things. I, I mean, like the the fucking scene towards the beginning. I like I was oh God, I was ambivalent on this film before, but now I'm just, it, it's worse. The, the scene where um, her dad confronts them and, you know, you see a fleeting shot and I'm like, right, OK, that's a marriage certificate. It yeah. just looks like a marriage certificate. And it's like, right, 
Okay, brilliant. Some, so he's, he's married then. I thought originally they weren't brother and sister and that they were going to be married to each other. So that, all right, fair enough. But would it not have been, I mean, okay, putting on my fucking screen white cap on for no reason whatsoever. But take that scene out and just have it go on with Tom Middleston basically breaking her heart, then writing a letter and saying, your, your father made me do it. Then you've got a mystery because then the father dies and you don't know what that secret was, but you know that there's something malevolent going on. Um, yeah, that you, you, that you, there's less obvious guessing towards that. And also, frankly, it means that maybe you, you think of Hiddleston as maybe more ambiguous than you do at that point, because at that point you're like, right, OK, he's up to something dodgy, whereas it's not like maybe it's just his sister up to something dodgy or maybe no one's up to something dodgy. And there's another thing entirely. It, it's far too obvious in itself, far too early on. And, and, and so you're just waiting for the rest of it to play out. And it's like, right, OK, what's the mystery then? Okay, yeah there's these files all right then he's married these women previously and he was taking their money what else have you got nothing charlie hunnam comes into it because they need to have another character in there just to elongate the runtime as much as anything else yeah uh, uh, it just it it's and the screenplay's really really poor it, it, as well it, it's so hang on a minute they are quite literally just taking the you know getting the money from these women just to keep an amount of upkeep on this dilapidated house and to try and build his his machine. That does that's it. something. Yeah, that, that's and then and then they're gonna get the mine going again with that one machine. It is it, a little bit like it's it, it's back of a cigarette paper fucking point bullet points, isn't it? So machine uh, fleecing women. Marry, kill, mad sister, done. I mean, yeah. Ghost. Oh, fuck it. Why not? Ghost. Yeah, there we go. I mean, that, that, Ghost. I mean, and we got some of the effects left over from Devil's Backbone. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Have you, yeah, have you got the uh, the kind of the liquidy wound blood coming out of the wound and rising up? Yeah. Which yeah. which Bex made a very good point on that one is in Devil's Backbone, it's rising up because the body is submerged in water. In water. Yeah. Why are they all rising up on these guys? Yeah. I have no issue with it being the same kind of look uh, and imagery of ghosts in this film as it is in Devil's Backbone. I actually, actually, I really quite like that because it's almost like saying that's Guillermo del Toro's, that's in his world, in the films that he creates, in their world, that's what ghosts look like. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it. Every ghost film he does from now on, they all look like that. However... I'm not fine if the ghosts have actually no fucking point whatsoever in the movie at all. Well, I mean, also Other the, than to go, the, there's ghosts in this movie. The opening and closing voiceovers is basically saying the same thing as they did in Devil's Backbone. Like, what is mm. a ghost? Is it a moment of pain trapped or yeah, and, and that kind of? It's pretty. It's very, very similar. And the idea of it of like the ghost basically being a reminder of past trauma. And in fairness. They do say in the film early on a very meta thing where they go, you know, this isn't a ghost story, it's a story with ghosts in it, which, you know, Devil's Backbone is as well. But what Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth in particular do for me is that the, the story outside of the ghost stuff is interesting. You know, like with Devil's Backbone, the, like the relationships between all the kids and the, the kind of the grown up kid, Edward Onoriega, who's like 
who's pissed off and is 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 vengeful. Uh, you know the idea about the gold and then Pan's Labyrinth. You've got all the characters around Ophelia and um, the the whole resistance idea, and you've got the um, uh, Captain Vidal, who's a great villain. You know here. You've got Jessica Chastain, who I really like in this. I, I think she's quite the saving grace. Um, and you've got great production design. And just like the, the one spot in the hall where the snow comes down, all the leaves are coming down. It's like, that's awesome. It barely makes any sense, but it's kind of del Toro land, so okay. But yeah. it makes to the, the kind of the narrative fulfillment of Pan's and Devil's Backbone at least... You know, this is very much lacking. Yeah, it, it is. It's there's so many places that it could have gone to um, with with all the the sort of threads that it puts out, and it doesn't go to the worst place. Absolutely, and it but it doesn't also go anywhere terribly interesting either. Mm. It, it it kind of. It sits along the middle. And like you say, if you'd have gone in and this would have just been a new director or a new to horror director, you'd come out of it and go, do you know what? And it's problems that, but it was good. But you're not. You're coming out of it as a, and it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. And you just expect more. Maybe, maybe we're being clouded slightly from the fact that both of us have watched, um, within the past week, Cronus, Backbone, and, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. So, you know, you, you're holding, you know, you're holding it up against, you know, 20 odd years worth of some of the most innovative and, uh, imaginative horror films of the past sort of 25 years, near, um, quarter of a decade, quarter of a decade, quarter of a century. Maybe that is a bit of a problem. If 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 I was going to see it, and had we not watched those, you might be viewing it slightly different because there is all these different sort of themes that kind of throw within from Del Toro that are that are repeated over and over again. Um, and they, there's a lot of them within this. And so if you've just watched those like we had done, maybe you go, that was done better in that, and that was done better in that, and that bit was done better here. Uh, so there's a possibility it's that but then I always come back to the fact that it's not a great script whether or not it's a good story or not is is a different matter Uh, but it's not a great script the script at some points is a little bit ooh and the performances are either meh you know Charlie Hunnam you know I'm a big Charlie Hunnam fan he has limitations though I, I will freely admit that but he, he's incredibly underused here. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> literally he's not, nothing to know, do. I mean, he's not bad. It's just yeah, he's not bad. in the thing. He's not, not to do. Just because Chastain is interested in what she's doing. Um, Jim Beavers, I think he's quite good. Ben Gorman's uh, entertaining when he turns up. Um, meanwhile, Shkowska is, is just so meek throughout the entire thing and, and bland throughout the entire thing. And Huddleston, with the exception of when he's shouting at her about being, uh, about, you know, essentially trying to break a heart, when he's very good in that moment, mm. um, he just, I don't know, he, he, he just, he feels a little bit goosebumpsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, th- th- I mean th- there were certainly bits I liked. I mean, I liked the, the bit with the... Um, 
the, the dog and the ball when she's in the bath and like the the, the, the kind of yeah. the, the ghost emerging then. I mean, the look of the ghosts is a bit too CG, but I, I quite like like those and the violence in the film is pretty full bore as well. You know. Yeah, and, no one ever gets killed in a nice way in a uh, Del Toro movie, yeah, do they? No, I mean like the uh, Hiddleston getting the thing under the eye and then like it kind of like the blood going in the eye and then him crying blood. You know, it's. You know that was that was an like a really interesting moment. I mean, the last ten minutes or so, I'm actually I'm actually pretty fond of um, when it when it goes men like not mental, but when it goes, it's almost like the speakers in the cinema have just increased in volume by two hundred percent. It's like rah, you know, and it's just like yeah. it's just full bore. That stuff's great, but the more the more restrained, slower paced mystery stuff, it's just. I don't really care because I kind of feel like I'm 20 minutes in front of you. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, I'm smarter than Guillermo del Toro. I'm, I'm, I'm palpably not. But it, it's just get get to the point a little bit. We're, we're two hours long. Could we maybe not be an hour and 40? Um, oh, easily. This is, this is, and I will say it, this is the first uh, Guillermo del Toro movie where I felt myself getting a little bit bored. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I've not had that in a single one of his other movies, uh, any of them, at all. Uh, but in this, I did find myself going, kind of want to know what's happening now. Mm. Want to know, know what's going on, and that way I can go, all right, it was that. And then, it, you know, it, hopefully that'll be the pay- there'll be a payoff. And I just felt a little bit like, they're just saying things are interesting but there's not really a payoff and the you know it just it it felt a little bit like it just ran away from itself i've got to say as well if the mum really wanted to help her out she could have just said beware of the british man called whatever his name is don't trust him yeah. Instead not, of beware of the, the house, uh, the name of the house that you don't actually know until you're there. It, that scene where where he mentions that's why they call it Crimson Peak was literally like uh, Del Toro had said to Tom Hiddleston, "Could you just just organically just get you know Crimson Peak in? But could you get it in more than once so we've got enough for for snapping it out for the trailer if we need to?" Yeah. And it was like he went, "Yeah, Crimson Peak." What? Crimson Peak, you know, that's what they call it because of the Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. <laughs> also, Crimson Peak. Also, um, one of the dumbest moments, and I've never, I've never watched a Del Toro film and just actually thought that's just dumb and you don't even know it's dumb. <laughs> there, there, I mean, Christ, the scene where Mia Vaskowska refuses the tea but then happily eats the porridge. Yes. 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 I mean, yes. are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was thinking, hmm, that seems a little bit fucking retarded. I just, my God. Yeah. I, it, it's just, it's stuff like that that really kills me. I mean, I, I actually, I just want to look at who his co-writer was here, because I've got a feeling it's somebody who was really Robbins. involved in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Matthew Robbins it was, who... Um... Don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And, fuck, and he, he, he co-wrote Mimic with him as well. There you go. I yeah. And, and, and Mimic's a crap movie. 
Fucking hell, he wrote the screenplay for... He directed Batteries Not Included. He directed Batteries Not Included, yeah. Wow. Batteries Not Included is a a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. No, that's kind of why I'm going, wow. I it just... Yeah, I mean, this and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark are the two Guillermo del Toro connected projects I'm really, really not cool with. Like, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is a piece of shit. And... Did he write that with... Um, I can't even have seen that or not. I saw it at Fright Fest, but maybe you weren't there that year. No, I yeah, think it was... Yeah, Troy Nixie directed it, that's right. Comic book um, artist, I think he is. And yeah, yeah, Del Toro and Matthew Robbins wrote the screenplay. Yeah, I think I was in the pub while you were watching that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I, well, it was the opening night film. I was yeah. I think I might, might have been not there that yeah, year. Yeah, I think you weren't there that year, but... um. Yeah, I, so it's just, it seems to me that, I, 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 I don't know, it's just when he gets with this guy. You know, apparently the screenplay had been hanging around for a while for Crimson Peak, and he, he just never um, did it. And I I wonder if maybe this is one that he just did ages ago that maybe should have had another draft or two. Well, I mean, it, it, apparently he'd written several drafts of it, and he'd also, like I say, he was, he was even writing it um, as it was going on. Essentially, I just, um, which I say, and you know, the, the, the film, the film's had problems. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, I mean, its cast wasn't the original, you know, first choice cast. Uh, but Cumberbatch wanted it. Yeah, and he dropped out, and Del Toro and, says to this day he doesn't know why. That's and Emma Stone as well, I think, wasn't it? Emma Stone would have been so much fucking better. She would have been. I mean, like just in terms of like spunky, get behind her, you want her to succeed. Emma Stone can do that in her sleep. Mia Wasikowska actually has to work at being likable. She, yeah, she does because she looks a bit like a marky bitch. Yeah. She she looks, I, I suppose, she's supposed to be playing. The, the weird thing is, if, if you ever see interviews with Mia Wasikowska, she's actually quite a charismatic person. Which oh, yeah. is really strange, because I saw an interview with her and just and thought, oh, God, here we go. And then she was talking, and it wasn't even about this character that she was talking about. And I thought, holy fuck. You know, she comes across as being quite, you know, she talks like, you know, really fast and really animated and everything like that. And then you get her in front of a camera, and it's like she just sucks all the energy out of everything. They weren't moths. They were actual butterflies that were being killed by her just draining the life out of them. It was, she's, there's, there's got to be a point where somewhere, someone on the lines has got to go, oh, she's a bit crap, isn't she? Because I don't see the difference between, you know, this, her portrayal of Alice, and how just, how she's in Lawless, um, and Stoker, she's good in Stoker, I'll give her that, um, but she just seems to be very much the same in everything now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. No, I mean she kind of yeah, that woman a girl on the cusp of being a woman um who's got who's got like dark a dark past or a troubled past that kind of thing. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean it, it just I, I there were bits of it I I enjoyed. I liked the black gloved giallo-ish kind of sequence where the dad's killed. Like I thought that was nicely brutal. 
Yeah, I mean, he, 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 there was influences. I think there was shallow influences across the board. I think he wanted it to look a little bit kind of um, Barber-esque. Yeah, a good bit of Barber with the lighting as well, even though the poster is the most Barber thing about the entire thing. Oh, yes, but, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's the thing, like the poster imagery the, the, and the Mondo poster I've got, they just, fuck, they advertise a, be- a, a better, creepier film. If, if, if it's it's film not scary. Was, if the film was creepier, I think it, I, I would have enjoyed it more. Or if it had been more narratively f- fulfilling, but the same level of creep, I think I would have enjoyed it more as well. It just... It's just not... It's just not there. It's not... It's not I mean, I, I'm looking at a poster of it now, a, 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 a brilliant poster um, of it that just is the the house in, like, in uh, that blue... And her in with the red. Her in the red, yeah. and it says, beware of it. But now I've seen the movie, I'm like, beware of what? Yeah, don't beware of the house. Actually, the house is trying to help you. Beware yeah. Jessica Chastain. Yeah, and it's not even like, be, you know, it's not even that much of a, of a beware. It, it, at no point is this film scary or creepy or or anything. It, it builds up a good amount of sort of suspense of, ooh, what's going on? What's going on? Why aren't they, you know, why aren't they, what is behind all of this? Oh, that hmm but i mean i, I mean i'll say i'll say for what it's worth um it was the first time Don, donna went to the cinema with me since guardians of the galaxy was uh, it? yeah yeah and um it, it, it what just did she like, think sorry what did she think she really uh, she liked it um like like the look of it she was actually quite taken with um like just but the, she is right it, it does look um it does look very nice you know there's no getting away from like you said earlier the production design it, it is is you know He's outstanding, which you always get that from Del Toro. You know, he is a, a full screen director. Every every little bit has um, you know has a place there. I remember um, in the director's commentary for um, Hellboy Two, uh, there was something crazy like the first bit. You know, they go into that market mm. um, and they're walking along in, in that. I think in the, the the little walk where they first go into that. Del Toro saying there's more um, there's more effects within that than in the entirety of um, of Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. In, which is which is insane when you actually go back and watch Hellboy. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. I it it, oh, it just I'm I'm the thing is I'm at definitely not shit because I'm three out of five. And I, um, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't quite say definitely shit. Um, because there's, I mean, Chastain, I enjoy, I enjoyed looking at it. Um, and I, I really like the first 20 minutes or so, and I really like the last 15 minutes. Um, it just, I can't help but think what could have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not quite definitely not shit. I, I'm touching cloth with it. Um, it's not. It's not shit. There's no way it, it's shit because there's there's too much good elements to it for it to be to be shit. So it, it, I'm just a touching cloth. The thing is, um, going back and doing it a, a second watch, um, there's a possibility I might watch it again and go, you know what, liked it more. Mm. liked it more that time because you're not expecting everything and you can notice different things um because there is always so much going on um in del toro movies that 
you know, that they do, they benefit from two watches or three watches. Um, you know, absolutely. So I might go back and watch Crimson Peak when it comes out on, um, on Blu-ray and go, ah, no, do you know what? Made peace that actually I'm I'm a lot better with it. It's moved up to a to a um, definitely not shit. But at the moment, and I am just touching gloss with it. Cause it just it feels like it just didn't get anywhere near as good as I either hoped it was going to be or expected it to be. I mean, the the killer thing for me is I don't know whether I'd be, ever be asked enough to actually watch it again. I'll definitely give it another go. I I mean I'd like I probably I mean I probably will you know I probably will but yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know, just disappoint, really disappointed. I mean, in terms of expectation level, it might be my disappointment of the year. Anticipation level, it could be up there for mine, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did feel very let down by it, certainly. But, hey, there we go. Um, right, okay, so... I'm gonna, like, stop it there, and we'll go back to the start, and then... I'll kind of like put in, we'll do like questions and stuff after, is that alright? Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Cool. Um, I won't bother with trailers this week, because like, if no, we've got just I, under I, an hour to do three films. And I haven't watched any anyway, right, so. Cool. Um, okay, so we have one Twitter, a Twitter question. Do we? Cool, I haven't seen it. Yeah. TGP73, best movie poster ever. <sighs> Fuck. It's a good question, that. Um, I don't know. Uh, Halloween has to be up there. That's a fucking strong movie poster. That I liked the um, the Dark Knight campaign in general. Like the the Joker scrolling yeah. by so serious. Um, I, I mean, I've, weirdly enough, I've got I've got a Halloween poster. I've actually got a, a poster of the Joker as he's walking down the main strip of, oh, of Gotham. Yeah, it's holding yeah, the card yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got that as well. Uh, Apocalypse Now is a fucking oh, great man. poster. Oh, Black Swan. Black Swan's a lovely poster. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, they had a couple of good posters actually. Um, uh, I'll I'll point another one of my favourite movies, but the original poster for First Blood's fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, part of that might be my love of the movie, but fuck it, I don't I don't care. It's a great fucking poster. Um. Uh, there's, there, there's going to be a really obvious one we're missing. The, the Nymphomaniac um, posters are pretty great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh, Escape from New York. There's no way Christian uh, Slater's con face is that. <laughs> you get the feeling, though, that Christian Slater will have got drunk, jerked off, filmed himself and gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Escape from New York. That's a good oh, poster. Escape from New York is a good the, poster. That's the, the Statue of Liberty's head and everyone fucking running away from it. Mm. You know, there's you know there's there's a lot of great ones. Um, you know, I'm gonna go for my favorite, probably. Yeah, it's probably probably the Halloween one. I just think it's a great image with the the pumpkin and and all that. Like, ooh, actually no, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. The original oh, one sheet for that. Yeah, that is good. That's a fucking great poster. The thing. And that's a that's that is a great actually, poster. The thing's pretty good as well. Thinking about it. Mm. And Mayor had some beautiful oh, posters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, uh, do you know what? We could probably do an entire fucking podcast just on that's movie true. posters. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, well, let's leave it there. Um, so, yes. Um, Good question, man. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, nice one, Steve. Um, so, next week, um, the bomb's out on the Monday. Um, I mean, I'm going to go and see Paranormal Activity, the ghost dimension, next week. <laughs> but if you want, I mean, we could maybe just, like, do a midweek Bond recording or something instead. Uh, I'm good with either. Well, I'm go- I am going to go see Paranormal Activity, and I don't think there's anything else coming out, like, the weekend after with, like, Spectre being out. So, if you want to do right, that... Well- yeah, go on then. I'll tell you what, this is a little bit like the um, when we did uh, the Hobbit movie. I saw the first Paranormal Activity movie, Paranormal Activity, yeah, that's right, isn't it? I saw the first one, I haven't seen any of the oh, other Jesus. ones. Oh, um, Jesus. Maybe, like, this one looks pretty mythology heavy and it's supposed to be the last one. It might be worth maybe at least... Oh, fuck, which ones look like they're properly in this? Acti- apparently, How many are there? Five. Oh, I can't, I'm not watching all fucking right. five. I don't, Paranormal <laughs> Activity 2 doesn't look super, like, all you got to know about Paranormal Activity 2 is that they nick a kid at the end, called Hunter, that's it. Paranormal Activity 3, I actually rate. Um, Paranormal Activity 4 is almost like a retread of 3. And then right, I'll watch. I'll watch three and four. The, well, the marked ones, essentially, Paranormal Activity five. That one's start. It kind of starts off as oh, how the fuck is this connected? And then gets more so and more so, and then directly connects to the first one by the end. And yeah. that one's a bit different as well. So if I if you were going to go for two, I'd say go for three and go for the marked ones. And if you were going to go for three, then three, four and marked ones. Two, I'll go, I I'll go genuinely think I'll, you can skip. And I think you can skip four as well, really. I'll skip I'll skip two and might watch four, but I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do on power three of those. Yeah, but look, three, three and marked ones, at least. Yeah, because I do actually have a, a small amount of time this oh, week as well. <laughs> not, not, not a small amount of time, as in I've only got a little bit of time i've actually got some time uh this coming week rather than usually i don't have any at the moment <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah fuck my, my friday was insane <laughs> sorry bud <laughs> right so uh that's gonna do it for this week uh i hope you enjoyed it and i'm gonna go for a pee cool thank you very much for listening guys speak to you next Cheers, week folks. bye